And hello from Boise, Idaho, and from Idaho Education News, this is Extra Credit, your weekly podcast looking at education and politics in the state. I'm Kevin Richard. And I'm Clark Corbin. And we are still here, <laughs> and we're still talking about sort of the, the fallout from the uh, 2016 legislative session, a lot of uh, sort of wrap-up reporting that we've been doing uh, to kind of get a sense of what happened and what didn't happen, and uh, so I'm going to kick it over to you, Clark, because you took a closer look at Sherry Ibarra's second legislative session. Let's talk a little bit about it. Yeah, on, on Thursday, published a piece on IdahoEdNews.org, kind of examining uh, the performance of Sherry Ibarra when it comes to her top legislative priorities during the 75-day session that just adjourned a couple of weeks ago. It was kind of a fun piece for me to work on. I had two, well, I had a couple of interviews with Superintendent Ibarra before the legislative session where I asked her about her top priorities, and then there was an educational conference late last summer where she unveiled uh, some of her priorities as well. So I took those pieces of information and kind of looked back through all the bills that were introduced, the, the bills that passed, the bills that failed, and, and tried to make some sense of this. And, and what I found was when it came to her top three priorities, uh, Superintendent Ibarra uh, was able to deliver on two of the three of those. And, and so uh, how did it look? Uh, she was able to, and, and other people supported uh, and, and opposed these pieces as well, so it's not just her that worked on them, I want to be clear here, but when it came to her, two of her top priorities that passed, one was raising teacher pay through funding the second year of the career ladder, and the other uh, that passed was increasing the, some people call it operations mm -hmm. funds, Kevin, right. some people call it discretionary spending, but basically think of it as erasing the recession-era cuts that school districts absorbed following the 2008-2009 school year. So Superintendent Ibarra saw both of those priorities through. One of her major initiatives that didn't make it, and we've talked about it on our podcast before, was the Rural School Center. There was kind of a last-minute effort to get it passed out of the House, and it did pass the House, but the Senate never took it up. So, so far, top priorities... Two of the three uh, signed into law for Superintendent Ibarra. Um, when it comes to some of the secondary priorities, though, a lot less successful. There were nine, uh, ten, excuse me, ten pieces of legislation that she unveiled uh, late last summer. One of the more noteworthy ones was Kevin, and you remember this. She wanted to increase the qualifications to, to run. run for superintendent. Yeah, yeah. and. Um, that didn't. We didn't even see that materialize in bill form, uh, much less uh, make it into law. There were a handful of others in there. Tax credits for educators, that never turned into a bill. There was a transportation bill uh, that didn't get a hearing in the House, and, and um, there was some, uh, excuse me, data privacy issues. That never made it into a bill. Uh, so just one of those ten, and that had to do with transferring sick leave uh, when educators mm -hmm. change job from one state position to another. That actually passed into law. And so the final tally I had looking at uh, 16 pieces of legislation, 16 priorities, four passed. Uh, I said her budget proposal was a near uh, pass. She had 7.5%. She didn't get rural schools. Her idea on literacy was a different. So I said that was an almost passed. And then 11 failed. So 4, 1, and 11 is the score if you want to look at it like a, a sports statistic. Well, and, and I, I think the rural issue really kind of uh, 
capsulizes the, the legislative session for, for Superintendent Navarre. And, and I think in some ways it was kind of a step back uh, from where she was her first session. To me, it really struck me as I watched the rural issue unfold during, during the session. Uh, she did not manage to get the really important key legislators on board with this idea. Uh, Reed DeMordant, uh, Chairman of House Education, Julie Van Orden from House Education, Dean Mortimer, who sits on JFAC and, and chairs Senate Education. You see, you had this kind of late session push for rural education, and it was Judy Boyle, uh, Sage Dix, and some other House members kind of taking this bill to the floor and getting it through the House. And, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, no disrespect to Judy Boyle. I, if you're trying to put this bill into law, you really need uh, Reed Mordaunt and Dean Mortimer on board. You need Maxine Bell, uh, the chair of, of JFAC on the House side. She voted against it on the House floor. Several so, Republicans on the budget setting JFAC voted against key it. Key budget writers, key members of the Education Committee. So that's kind of on her. I mean, it's her job if you're trying to get a piece of legislation through to put together the coalition and talk to these key legislators and kind of have those conversations behind closed doors where it's like, well, how do I get you on board? What, what, how do I get you to yes on this uh, idea of mine? Yeah, so. she was basically able to get it out of committee, get it through the House uh, floor on somewhat of a close vote, but it was never taken up in the Senate. And you didn't have, like you said, those key players within the Republican Party on education issues. They were not on board. They were sort of surprised that it even advanced out of committee like it did. And so... Why and when it got over to Dean Mortimer's uh, Senate Education Committee, he he didn't move on it. It was the final day of the legislative right. session, and he had unanswered questions. He said he didn't know enough about it. And so, you know, why why did we do this story? I think this year was a big year for Superintendent Ibarra, and she's talked about this, and, and we've written about this extensively at Idaho Ed News. She basically considered this the first full year where she was in charge, and she was running her own legislative policy and budget agendas. If you remember the 2015 session, she took office just a few days before the session started. She sort of had to pick up the budget blueprint left by Tom Luna and kind of run or walk with that, depending mm -hmm. on uh, your point of view. And so all heading into this session, she took ownership of her priorities. She talked about how she had worked on these initiatives and this budget proposal all year. And so because she took the ownership of it, we wanted to kind of step back and say, how did we do here? Let's look back and see, remind folks again, what were those priorities? What were the things that she identified publicly that she was working on? And then we were able to go back through the legislative process and see what survived when the dust settled after right. the 75 days. But anyways... And people can go on idolatnews.org and read the full story and, and get the full rundown. Anyway, speaking of kind of the wrap-up of the legislature, the reason we're still kind of talking about the legislature is the uh, the final movement on legislation is, is taking place even uh, even as we speak this the week. Governor, even though the legislature is adjourned, the governor is still working on addressing, at this point, those final, final bills from the session. And Kevin, we saw some noteworthy bills um, this week. There were a couple that the governor signed into law. What what, what did you follow? So a couple of things that that he signed into law that are significant. Basically, all seven of the education budgets yep. are, are in place. All of the literacy bills are in place. Uh, the $8 million uh, fund to try to pursue a, an Idaho Education Network settlement, that got signed into law. But one 
really significant veto that came at the, the last minute, the final day that he could act on the Bible and Schools bill, he uh, got out his veto stamp. Yeah, and this, we've covered this extensively. We've talked about this on the pod before. This was pushed by Republican Senator Cheryl Nuxel of Cottonwood. Current law, we've talked about this, already allows teachers to use the Bible and religious texts as a reference. And this bill really would have underscored that. Uh, the different classes that the Bible could have been used in, and it did say uh, other religious texts as well. But we've talked about how the Office of Attorney General Lawrence Wasden expressed concerns with this bill, saying it may specifically violate Idaho's constitution. Right. And the governor um, appeared to take those concerns to heart when he issued his his veto, Kevin, right? Yeah, this time, and we've, we've seen a lot of disagreements, public disagreements between uh, Governor Otter and Attorney General Wasden. On this issue, uh, the governor sounded a lot like the Attorney General in terms of the constitutional issues. Um, you know, it's been an interesting process on this on this bill leading up to the veto and, and kind of the constitutional debate surrounding it. Um, the, the Attorney General's opinion was issued early in this process. The Senate uh, State Affairs Committee had it uh, in hand when they decided to send the bill to the floor to amend it. As a reporter, I had that opinion. Right. And, and you know, I'll put myself uh, out, uh, you know, I'll, I'll self-criticize myself here a little bit. I feel like, uh, you know, I didn't focus enough on the constitutional issues that uh, the Attorney General was raising. You didn't hear very much of it uh, discussed on the Senate floor. It kind of came up a little bit more on the House floor. Uh, when there was a movement to uh, to try to amend or, or kill the bill on the House floor. Obviously, at the end, this became a debate over the constitutionality of the, the Bible bill, um, but really kind of, a, kind of an interesting process. And, and, and in retrospect, probably uh, should have been more focused on the constitutional questions. Really good on. questions, yeah. for sure. Uh, but it appears... Uh, I mean, that is final. Uh, the governor right. vetoed it. Uh, the legislature is out of session, so it is it's, dead, it's dead until for the year. Uh, but speaking on of moving on and putting the legislative session behind us, Kevin, you had a chance to follow the working group, which will become an interim committee focused on rewriting the school funding formula. From your coverage, it sounds like this is a significant task that this group has. What are they looking at and what are the stakes? Well, we knew it was going to be a big job, and I think uh, Wednesday's kind of organizational meeting sort of uh, underscored that. So this is the committee that's going to look at the school funding formula, how we carve up $1.6 billion. Uh, it's not going to look at whether that's adequate, whether we need more money in the school system or not. The, the focus is, okay, this is the money we're spending. How are we dividing it between 115 school districts and 40-some charter schools? And this was just an organizational meeting. And already, uh, I think there's a realization that this work isn't going to be done probably in time for the 2017 session. There may be pieces of it done, and there may be more review. I think the committee, and I think the legislators who are likely to be on the committee, realize uh, what a large job this is. Uh, you're going to have to look at what's going on in other states, have other states kind of crack the code about how to fund mastery schools, how to uh, make, uh, how to uh, you know, cut some sort of a balance between rural schools and urban schools, and how do you fund uh, students that move from one school to the next, all of these issues. So I think you, 
I think this committee knows they need to look at other states. Uh, they need to go out on the road and hear from stakeholders about how these changes might uh, affect them. And I, I think there's a realization that when they hit the road, they're going to also be uh, forced to answer some questions about the tax structure and how the tax system is funding education and is, and is it an adequate funding model. So I think this is a, a very interesting committee to watch and it's illustrated by the fact that you've got some really important uh, powerful legislators who- Some heavy hitters on that one. I mean, Scott Bed, he was there for most of the session on Wednesday. Uh, you had uh, uh, Dean Mortimer by phone, you had uh, Stephen Thane, uh, Julie Van Orden, uh, Wendy Horman, uh, uh, Janie Ward-Engelking, these are all kind of the folks who are likely to be on this uh, working group when it becomes an interim committee. Uh, so it's going to be a pretty powerful group. And you got into this with your coverage on Wednesday afternoon, but talk about the timing. Why are they looking at this now, and how long has it been since we've looked at school funding in Idaho, Kevin? Yeah, you go back to 1994. That was when uh, the state last rewrote the funding formula, and so much has changed in, in, in our world. Think about where we all were in 1994, but think about where schools were. Online and, courses, charter schools weren't around back then. Virtual schools were, were, not, uh, were not a, a thing then. Uh, there was not nearly as much focus on trying to encourage dual enrollment. Right. Uh, there wasn't as much uh, discussion about mastery and how you move kids through the school system based on uh, their command of subjects and how that affects funding. So a whole different, uh, whole different world. So I think it's not surprising. Uh, Chuck Winder is uh, chairing this from the Senate side. Uh, Boise Republican at the very outset was saying, you know, I think it's going to take us some time, and you know, it's. You know, kind of suggesting that we're not going to be done necessarily by the 2017 legislative session. So you've got some important legislators and a huge task ahead. Uh, I want to talk about, as we continue to move further beyond the legislative session, some of the things that we're going to focus on, Kevin. And one of those, obviously, is going to be the election. And we saw, again, out of the state's largest school district, the West Ada School District, located real close to us, we saw a move this week that may have some uh, implications to the election. What, what did we see? Well, Russell Jokey, one of the three trustees who had been facing a, a recall election in May, resigned abruptly, unexpectedly, uh, during the meeting Tuesday night. He's not really explaining why, except to say that it's a personal issue, that he needs uh, to, uh, to work through some, some family issues and... So he's saying that really has nothing to do with the recall, but he's not really talking about the details of it. So you still have two trustees that are subject to a recall election, and now you have a process where the district is going to be appointing another trustee to another vacancy, second time in a couple of months that you'll have new trustees appointed. So part of my job here in the next few weeks as we start to cover some of these elections is to look at the recalls, but also look at kind of where the district stands now with a lot of turmoil at least two new trustees, a new superintendent, a lot of change in the state's largest district. So I think we're going to try to maybe step back from the, the politics of the recall to look at the, uh, the more, more global issues facing the district. Your job the next few weeks is going to be uh, looking at a lot of uh, interesting legislative races, uh, legislative primaries with an impact on education. Yeah, that's going to be my focus. I, there's about 15 primary races uh, that we're going to focus on. These have education connections, so it's members of either the House 
or Senate education committees that have an opponent this primary, or it's members of the budget setting joint finance appropriations committee. So starting next week at IdahoEdNews.org, we're going to start rolling those out. You can expect to see profiles of the candidates running for office and short questionnaires on education related issues that we will pose to the candidates. I'd encourage you to watch for that coverage as we get closer and closer to the May 17th primary. Kevin, we'll be here before you know it. But in the meantime, um, we will be back next week with a brand new edition of Extra Credit. I want to thank everybody for listening this week and always. Uh, we do appreciate taking time out. Be sure to follow Idaho Ed News on Twitter and like us on Facebook to keep the conversation going and keep up with the very latest. But thanks so much for listening. I am Clark. And I'm Kevin. Have a good week.